Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? The Galactic Dads Podcast, a podcast by Geeky Dads, talking about all things geek, dad life, I am the father, and beyond. Language. Okay, and here with us today on the Galactic Dads podcast, we have uh, a guy who probably embodies the Galactic Dad namesake more than any <laughs> of the guests we've had. Uh, it is Michael Morisi, um, who has a Star Wars tattoo on him. So welcome to the show, Michael. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us. Uh, I know it seems like you have a really busy schedule, uh, a couple of things that you just announced, uh, such as the Star Wars Clone Wars book you're going to be writing. I mean, let's start off with a bang. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, Star Wars uh, Clone Wars Battle Tales. And um, if you're familiar with um, the uh, Vader's Castle series, that's um, also part of IDW's um, Star Wars Adventure line. Uh, it, it follows in that same model where it's um, um, five stories, uh, five individual stories that are linked through like a framing device. Um, and what I mean by that is that like, you know, the beginning of the issue has like you have like a like a, a micro story throughout all five issues where it's like in the present, so to speak. And that's like the first two or three pages. And all that really is an opportunity for like one of the characters to say, and I know we've all seen this device. Oh, I remember that time when, and then the real story is about that time when. Uh, so that's really basically what, what Battle Tales is. It's uh, five issues, uh, the cl- each clone telling a story. Um, it's that time when uh, telling a telling a different war story. Uh, so it's a pretty cool device. It's a it's a it's a good you know fiction fiction device to for for getting in and out of stories. Um, and um, yeah, it's gonna be uh, illustrated by a different artist every time. Although Derek Charm is handling the framing devices, so the beginning, those first three two three pages, and then the last page or two. Um, and it's just gonna be a ton of fun, you know. Like I, I'm a huge Clone Wars fan, uh, and. Uh, like I said, there are five issues, and they all they all come in April. So there's five weirdly five Wednesdays in April, um, and it'll all come out those five weeks. That sounds like a really good April. I didn't realize that that calendar was so stacked for that month. Yeah, it happens like once or twice a year uh, where there's five Wednesdays uh, uh, in. I think it's twice a year where there's like five Wednesdays in a month in a month for some for whatever reason. Um, we'll thank the people who created the calendars. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but that is that is very cool. You actually already answered some of the questions I had about the new five issue series. Um, was that it will be told apparently through the point of view of a clone for each one? Yeah, that's something I really uh, wanted to do. This is actually um, most times this is like a weird anomaly almost in star how Star Wars stories are uh, how do I say like conceived? I guess. Um, cause this actually was my idea that I brought to Lucasfilm and IDW, um, and, uh, was able to kind of slip it in. <laughs> um, and one of the best selling points for me, um, is having the clones take front and center, you know, like even though, um, you know, it's like the weirdest thing. Uh, it's funny, you know, speaking of, I'm sure we're talking a lot about kids, but I was joking with my kids this week. And we were talking about like our favorite Star Wars movies, and we were, we were just going around through the can through the through the not the canon, but just through the catalog. And we were talking about like Attack of the Clones, uh, and like the clones aren't really in it, <laughs> you know, like they're in like the last like five minutes, you know, like. <laughs> uh, so it's and it's the longest star, or it was the longest Star Wars movie until Rise of Skywalker, but. Um, um, you know, even a lot of times in the Clone Wars and the show and in the movie, you know, like the clones are kind of like relegated to a, a, a backseat so often for the Jedi or for whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and, um, the funny thing is, and this, you know, this, for those who don't know Star Wars Adventure, the IDW line is, is, uh, a kid's, 
uh, it's a kid's line. Um, but the funny thing is, is that like kids love, love the clones. I love the clones, but kids really love the clones. I think when you're a kid, especially a young boy, if I can, if I can say so, uh, the military aspect really appeals to you. My kids love military and soldiers and, and army and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, the clones embody that. So it's like all the stuff that they love of, of Star Wars, uh, just in general, and then you infuse that with like the military aspect, which is what the clones are, and uh, it really it really clicks for you, for younger audiences. So when I say like this is a story like a clone story, it really is a clone story. There's there's Jedi in it, and they're part of some of the, the stories. The you know this happened that time, you know, in each of the five different stories, but it is. It is about the clones. It's about the clones' experience in the war. It's about their brotherhood uh, and, and other lessons that they learn along the way. I don't know what it is, but you're right. There's always something about that kind of military aspect, which is appealing for some reason to uh, a younger audience. Because I remember being young myself and thinking I didn't, wasn't fortunate enough to have Attack of the Clones out when I was little. Uh, it was G.I. Right. Joe or you oh, know, yeah. Fortune. Fortunately, we had Ninja Turtles, but G.I. Joe was the super cool thing for us. Um, so that you also brought up something else that seemed very appealing to me, because I'm a father myself, and most of the listeners are dads. You get to talk about Star Wars with your kids. One, not just creating Star Wars from your own perspective and, and having that fun opportunity, but you get to you know raise your kids in the middle of 2019, 2020, when a whole new trilogies wrapping up when shows like the Mandalorian are on TV and uh, possibly other things are on their horizon. Like how cool is that to get to be able to share star Wars, which obviously means a lot to you, but to be able to share that with your kids. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I can't, I can't even barely put it into words, you know, like I think star Wars is, um, is the myth of our time. You know, it really is. Um, that speaks to so many different experiences, to so many positive themes, positive messages that are so broad and evergreen that they really, uh, they're never out of style. Um, and it's great to have so much to, to be able to share with them. Um, you know, I don't think it's, and it's weird cause I don't think it's very different, uh, in terms of it being current, I guess, because like I, I'm, uh, Unashamedly, as you know, I think everyone knows. Like I'm a tremendous, tremendous, huge, diehard Star Wars fan. But I didn't grow up when Star Wars was coming out. You know, like Empire came out a month before I was born. You know, so by the time you know Star Wars was around, uh, by the time Star Wars, you know, Jedi came out, I, I, I was like. I don't know how old I was, three, four, whatever. I was very young, you know, so it's not like these were happening when I was had any idea what they were. I, I think I started watching New Hope when I was like maybe four, maybe Jedi was just coming out or something around that time. But like by the time I was kind of aware, Star Wars was passing away, you know, and at that time we thought that was it. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's cool that there's stuff for them to dig their teeth into. It's cool that there's stuff that's like, here and now um even though like truth be told like they still i think the prequels are the most thorough for the for kids i think that's my kids love the prequels the most even even over the new sequel movies so even though they haven't seen the last one um they still gravitate towards the sequel i think they're the most kid oriented of of the of the three different timelines um but yeah i mean we're, we're in a good place we're in a very lucky place as much as fans you know relentlessly complain about literally everything <laughs> um, it, it is it's a very divisive time for fans oh god yeah it, it so is but you know what you gotta see the forest for the trees and realize that we're, we're we're very lucky we have a wealth of stuff uh a wealth of stuff to enjoy uh books movies comics tv shows uh it's it's all there for you it's very hard to complain we live in such a time of bounty like it's uh, whether it's star wars or you know, any Marvel movie or DC television shows or things like that. Back in the 90s when I was coming up, uh, it was rare to get anything. You might get a Batman movie every decade or so, but now it's it's just everywhere you look, and I feel incredibly fortunate about that myself. I also want to, uh, to really ask you, it would be so easy to just talk Star Wars with you for 
ever, like for a long time. <laughs> we can. I don't mind. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. The, fantastic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the other Star Wars Adventures comics that you write for IDW? Yeah, yeah. So I've been at it for for a bit now. I think a little over a year or something. Um, I started writing the Flight of the Falcon series, which was uh, which was a ton of fun. It was like a um, it was a series that like uh, put the Falcon front and center and made it less about um, who was piloting it at the time and more about the Falcon as this uh, iconic ship, one of the most iconic ships in all fiction. I would argue. Uh, and, and the places and experiences that it's that it's been a part of, you know, so many people have piloted, you know, it's Lando, Han, Lando again, Ray, uh, you know, the the uh, it was stolen in Force Awakens. I'm drawing a blank. The 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 Irving boys, you know, <laughs> Uncar, whoever, you know, it's passed through a lot of hands and stuff and been in wars and smuggling and uh, whatever else, you know, Hondo had it for a bit. <laughs> um, so like. It was cool to kind of weave a story throughout the Star Wars timeline. Like it start, my story starts before, um, was it before the Solo move? Yeah, it was. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was after the Solo movie because Han had the had the Falcon. So it was right after the Solo movie, all the way up to past Last Jedi. Um, so it was that was a story that I did. Then I did the stories, uh, droid tales story. Uh, that was like part of uh, the leading up to Rise of Skywalker, uh, and now I have—I don't know when this will broadcast, but uh, it, I, what is it going to be? January 29th is I'm writing the f- uh, a um, the lead story for three issues. So it'll be issues 30, 31, 32, January, February, March um, that uh, are basically um, you know sequel characters. It's Kylo's story. Uh, a Ray story, then a, a Finn story, um, and that kind of leads us right into that's January, February, March, and that leads right into April, which goes into Clone Wars. So I've I'll have been on it. Uh, let's see, from October through April, at least. That's a pretty good stint. Yeah, I never I guess I never really realized until right until right now, like because I had to you know because back up, then these three, then. Clone Wars, so it's yeah, so it's what three, six, eleven straight issues. So it's kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I love it. I love it more than anything. Yeah, can understand why. And anytime you can string together eleven straight issues, it is pretty cool. Which, by the way, I wanted to ask about stringing together some issues. Uh, we'll stay space oriented, sure. Uh, but as a as a fan of this series, I have to ask: uh, you were the uh, creator, co-creator of Wasted Space at Vault Comics, right? Very true. Yep. <laughs> and that book um, is far different than the kind of kid-friendly Star Wars. Uh, if I had to tell somebody what the book is like, I would say it is Preacher in Space. Um, yeah, perfect. And it's, <laughs> it's essentially that because uh, there's the, the quest, the I'm the one or, you know, that that impossible quest to get a DAT in space, mind you less, not just in the planes wreaking havoc across America, uh, but in space and the, the amount of characters that come in, uh, the types of characters. I was very much thinking of some of the world from Black Star Renegades when I started reading Wasted Space, which was great because I had great artwork to kind of guide me along with that. <laughs> um, but I was just thinking of the, the the robots, you know, the kill bot and and the other bot that he turns into <laughs> the well, you know, it's fine. We can say it, the fuck bot, but it's spelled yeah. with a Q. So it's classy and not dangerous. Totally different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, very different. Very changes things a bit, uh, but it's mostly a pleasure bot for any and all willing and uh, parties who can pay. Right. <laughs> I think I'm dwelling a little too much on on those aspects, but the book itself is just so entertaining. And I know when you initially started writing it, you weren't sure quite how long it was going to go, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we had we had always thought like five issues or eight, you know. Um you know, Vault has gone tremendous places uh, as a company since then. Uh but at the time it's kind of almost hard to remember because they have such a they've had such a meteoric rise uh, at the time. It was a very nation uh, in their in their 
just time in comics just in general um so having this comic you know come out it's hard to for a publisher to commit to doing something for too long because you know sales basically it's sales driven uh decisions um so yeah when we start off it's like five maybe eight somewhere around there is what we were kind of gauging and now you're plotting issues into what up to 26 so far uh 20 uh 25 is where we're ending that's that's the that is the hard hard end so yeah uh you know it's like i don't want to keep it you know you know you never want to overstay your welcome and um I, for a book like Wasted Space, uh, which I, I love writing every second, I just finished writing 16, um, and this will be the longest uh, single comic uh, at 25 issues that I've ever done. Hoax Hunters, I think, was 19, I believe, 20, somewhere around there, I don't know, uh, something like that, but it was not definitely not more than 20. Um, so, but the thing is that's specific about the hoax hunters could have like gone on forever because it's like a plot-driven book. You know, it's a very, it's got a very unique uh, concept that could have you know a reality show, you know, MythBusters that's actually real. You know, or you you know UFO busters, ghost hunters that's real. That can go on for a while. You know, Waste of Space doesn't really have a necessarily a plot-driven hook like that. It's more about ideas and more about character and like. I wouldn't want to stretch those ideas then, you know, it's an existential book, like intentionally existential and about characters wrestling with, um, the meaning of their lives, what it means to live a good life. How do you live a good life? Should you live a good life? You know? Um, right. And you can't, you know, you can only do that for so long and it vaults, the people of vault, uh, and I, and, and the co-creator Hayden had all really good conversations about that. And like, this is a specific kind of story and this is how long we want to tell it. And we had our roadmap and, and we're definitely sticking to it. I mean, I think we could go longer. I think we're lucky to have a good fan base that really supports it and really is very, uh, adamant, uh, and, and vocal and dedicated. I love that. Um, but, um, I think 25 is the end of the road. Well, I suppose um, I can deal with that, I, I guess. I mean, I get it. I understand. That still gives me at least 10 more issues, nine, I guess, um, to to be happy with and enjoy. So I, I won't do the why because you kind of just said why. But why, Michael? <laughs> yeah, it's just I think it's the right call. I don't want to I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to not be happy it's around, you know. I understand. Um, I understand. Just, you know, you should become another comic in the stack. You know, then you're just like, oh, I still buy Waste of Space. It's on 38. <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> I guess. I mean, you do know? I have room in the budget for this book still? Exactly. And the answer is yes. I don't, I don't care who's questioning. There's room in the budget for Waste of Space. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks. Uh, so, but you know, that's how, you know, comics, I mean, that's the, that's the nature of the medium. It's, it's serialized storytelling and serialized storytelling at its roots just went on forever. It's like adventure this week. And then the characters get into another adventure the next week and the next week and whatever. That's just how they go. And that's totally cool. But like, as we've evolved, you know, now we've taken on more, a different serialized storytelling has become something else where it's less about, more about a, a a specific story. I mean, you know, everyone knows this, you know, um, and this is about the, this is, this is the wasted space story, you know, and um, I'm glad we got a chance to tell it. I never thought it would be as successful. <laughs> like I didn't think I never in my wildest dreams imagined this filthy book would be this successful, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad it is. I'm glad well, it is. Well, congratulations. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> I almost, uh, I almost hate to say it, but, all good stories should have an ending. It sounds like you guys definitely do have one. So um, it's it's good to see you being able to go out on your own accord as well. Yeah, it's nice to go out on your own terms. You know, I've had so many like, you know, hoax hunters just kind of stopped, you know, which is kind of a bummer. Um, you know, I've had other books that did it. You know, Roche Limit is another sci-fi book that I was able to go out on my own terms. And, you know, the book was still doing pretty well when it ended and it was 14 issues and i was like that's and people and i'm and I'm grateful for the question but people ask like oh is there more are you ever gonna bring it back and i'm like 
no, it's, it's it. That's it. <laughs> Story. <laughs> um, go read Waste of Space, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Or, you know, it's not like we're at a shortage for good things to read from you. I mean, you do have pretty extensive um, bibliography under your belt, not just from comics, but I've mentioned Black Star Renegades already, and that is your debut novel, right? It was, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Or was. That was, that's a few years old now. Uh, that came out the end of 2017, early 18? Uh, early 18, January of 18, yes. All right. Uh, and then that book already has a sequel to it, and that is the We Are Mayhem. And mm-hmm. that is the second book in the series. Will there be more? Um, not at this time, no. Um, for one thing, um, well, one, it, it, was, uh, it was always a duology, like I assigned for that. Um, um, and then I wrote another book that was in that contract, like it was called The Throwaway, which is like a spy thriller, which came out like in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always planned as a duology. And I feel like I, I had written it in a way that has a pretty definitive end. Like I have ideas of where it can go more uh, and develop what it could develop into. Um, but it's... I mean, like a weird point where, like, um, I'm really busy with comics, which is which is I'm remarkably lucky and grateful for. Um, but like, I really want to write another novel. Uh, I just haven't been able to get to it. And when I do, it would be tough to go back to Black Star. I think. I think that, like, you know, I wrote those like back to back in a in a, in a fury <laughs> almost because it was like the li- deadlines were lightning fast and i was still writing comics at the same time and uh transitioning out of my day job and um and now it's been i finished two, oh, uh, two years ago or something like that it's been a while since it actually been written even the sequel um so to go back now or six months or now a year from now when I do get the when I do get to write a novel, when I sit down and I am committed to doing it, and hopefully soon, um, when I do get to do that, it pr- I probably wouldn't want to go dig up at this point. You know, maybe maybe someday, maybe down the line, I'm, I would continue it I, and see if say Martin's who published it is willing to as well. If they are hungry for more, uh, I know the book's done. We've been you know super lucky and it's done well, but like. Um, who knows if they want to, and I don't really feel uh, that I want to just for, just like I said, for digging up something that, you know, going back to it, but also like, um, I don't know, having to find a reason to continue. Cause like we talked about, even with waste of space or Roche limit, like when something has an end, it's, you it's know, perfectly it, fine to let it end. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I'm some things we see like movies. That's like, you should have stopped, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Are, are a few TV shows with seasons that are just a little bit too long. Right. I saw a commercial just last week for like Homeland season nine. I was like, oh, right. okay. <laughs> back, back again? I'll watch yeah. the first one. We'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's still good. I don't know. But like, I know, you know, when there's like Dexter season 10 and stuff like that, and everyone's like, oh, man. Oh, I whatever. I mean, way to bring up a perfect example of eh, a little past prime. Okay, that's fine. But yeah. we, if you're missing Dexter, guys, there's a uh, looks like season two just came out of that new show, You, and that seems to be filling the void in people's lives for a sympathetic serial killer. So feel Who free. Knew? Who knew that uh, such a such a appealing genre? <laughs> uh, apparently, if you watch any type of the uh, documentaries or popular true crime genre that stuff is immensely popular and i I can't believe it but i myself really enjoy a lot of it so i have no idea the appeal that's a good point you're right you're right uh because those those documentaries are fascinating so yeah you take that put it into like some sort of like fiction narrative Mm -hmm. yeah just just the right amount of drama and intrigue and you'll keep coming back each week oh yeah yeah man you're totally right yep Yep, that is a great formula. <laughs> so, I mean, if you, you you just want to use that in your next story or whatever, that's fine. It's totally, you're welcome. <laughs> well, thanks. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
somehow it'll probably end up being just you know vulgar vulgarity in space somehow anyway so <laughs> that's, that's fine yeah you use the cheap trick of a mess inside a spacesuit, and that'll be uh that'll be that'll be the end of that issue yeah there you go <laughs> well yeah, i was kind of really interested though you you mentioned the book the throwaway which came out in between the two kind of black star Rangade novels mm-hmm. um and that was really fascinating to me especially at the time and still now uh because black star Rangades is obviously a kind of like a intergalactic space opera type of adventure uh and wasted space is also in space uh, and you're writing star wars so clearly you're very home very at home in galaxies far far away uh, and then you get a book like The Throwaway, which is very much on Earth, is very limited to human capabilities, kind of like a almost a political intriguing thriller, sort of. Um, a little lighter on the political side, but it was it's a story about a man who's accused of treason and, and what he would do. Uh, what is it like for you to go from a book like Black Star Rangades and kind of shift gears into a completely different genre like that how does that process work for you um well it's it's weird i can actually is there's a sort of a simple answer to that and sort of a longer one for specific versus like the broader question like specifically for throwaway um that was actually a book i was hired to write um oh interesting yeah, that was the idea of a couple of film producers who were trying to get like a proof of concept or, you know, some, some, some whatever that film people do, right? Um, so they were trying to do that. And the book um, was born from them and it, you know, kind of came to me. And then, you know, long story short, you know, came, you know, I ended up writing the novel version of, of, of an outline uh, that was given to me. And I'll tell that's a very loose outline. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> and uh, and um, so that's how, um, that's how specifically I got to be writing that. And it's funny because I was, a, I was a big fan of the Americans, which was still on at the time. So I was just, you know, at least had like a, you know, inspired by that. And I like John the Car Novels or Le Care. I, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but, uh, he wrote like Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, that kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. Great. I mean, uh, he was like a former spy and he's just fascinating kind of stuff. Um, so, but like the broader question though, like like switching gears, like I think that's kind of uh, essential for a freelance writer in this kind of day and age. Like I think that like, um, unfortunately we don't have the luxury of um, being able to just do, there's very, very few, you know, there's very few writers, unfortunately, that make a living at it. And there's very few writers who are like, you know, like your Scott Snyder's who, who, who's, who's a great writer, but basically can kind of stick to this one kind of thing. Like Scott writes Batman and he writes Justice League and he writes this kind of big DC, uh, superhero stuff. And he's great at it, but like, it's a, it's a wonderful luxury that he has uh, and able to do that, you know, and then he kind of carves out his little, you know, I don't say little, but he carves out a side niche of like of writing um, uh, his like career own stuff a little bit like horror stuff. Uh, and he's got that, you know, so, but like the rest of us, <laughs> um, like we have to have like tremendous, um, you know, flexibility and capability to go and do different types of things, you know, like doing, you know, yes, if it were up to me, like if I had that Scott Snyder, um, uh, like, however, he's been granted this, you know, that, that, that ability he has, I probably would be writing exclusively like space in some form of like fantasy novels because i think my novels or novels and comics i think my comics are almost more fantasy than they are sci-fi like the way star wars is probably more fantasy technically uh if you want to put like a fence around it than sci-fi um so sci you know that sort of sci-fi-ish fantasy stuff that's what i would only be writing but since i don't have that luxury you know I, i keep myself open to other jobs and other work and and you know so you know so i did the throwaway i'm doing um with Axel Alonso's new company, AWA, I've got this book called Archangel 8 coming out, which is like Punisher meets um, Hellblazer. Um, I've got strangely a lot of all ages stuff, like we're not even all ages, more like YA stuff and and for younger readers stuff coming out uh, this year. Uh, Hexagon, 
which is with Impact Theory, which is like uh, people don't know Tom Bilyeu, his company. He's like a, you know, pretty remarkable former entrepreneur, now comic, uh, comic publisher. Um, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff, uh, Lost Carnival, the Dick Grayson, Graphic Novel DC. So anyway, the point is that like that's a pretty wide range of books. Uh, and I learned something doing all of them. I found something to love doing all of them. And uh, that kind of flexibility like is, you know, essential, you know, like because I've got to do more to survive um, and make a living and you know that's a typical story to so many of my friends who are doing a lot of different things like to like you know close to tim ceiling i think tim if tim if it was up to tim he would write like horror uh and heat man you know <laughs> oh that okay i see the horror from hack slash uh but he man is oddly enough surprising to me yeah. Oh, he's writing it now. He's writing a He-Man series. It's, Is uh, he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, yeah. He's done a few, and they're really, really, really good. Um, uh, it's like basically me on Star Wars. Like he just thoroughly loves it. Um, but you know, Tim doesn't have that. You know, like he that that ability. He writes other stuff, and he writes other stuff real, real well. And um, you know, that's just that's just how we have to do things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand that. Um, you talk about Scott Snyder and you're right. It feels like he has just really carved out that at first I thought it was just Batman. And then when Superman chained came out, I go, Oh, he can write Superman too. You know, and this is after American vampire and things like that. And then it seemed like, uh, you know, metal came out and it went event wide. And, and that's when you just realize, yeah, he's got DC. He can just do DC and you're right. right do it well. And mm-hmm. it feels like he's very at home there. Um, and I have thought to myself, boy, that'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, it would be. Yeah. Uh, and I understand as a freelance writer, you do have to be open to, to taking things and, and be very flexible. Uh, so that makes total sense. But you yourself have been able to write a few things for DC as well. I know you mentioned uh, the young adult graphic novel uh, featuring Dick Grayson that's coming out, what, this April? Uh, yeah, right. Right. And then, um, I think my favorite DC book that you've written though is Superman number 26, I believe the single issue. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't actually remember what number it is. It might be 26, but, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the father son tale. Uh. Yeah. That one I thought was really one. It was perfect timing for it. Uh, because for, for those who aren't familiar, that was right well, it's 26 issues, but it's really about a year after Rebirth had really started uh, at DC. And Superman all of a sudden had a son. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't like Superboy that we'd had before, who was like partial clone, partial Lex Luthor. It was full-blown Lois and Clark had a kid named John, and he was going on adventures with his dad, and his powers were developing. And the issue that you wrote was was very nice because you got to see... Superman really be a dad and really look in that story at how his father raised him and how he was deciding he was going to raise John. And I thought that was very nice. It, it was needed uh, seeing Superboy around while he wasn't hanging out with Damian Wayne uh, yeah. and Super Sons. It was just really good to see them build that connection. Uh, so I want to ask, as you were writing that, it may be hard for you to remember now, but how much of thought were you putting into how you raise your own children while you wrote that issue um a lot i'm sure you know like you said i don't i probably don't remember specifics um but i know that in that issue and something that is important to me as a dad uh, is is about learning to live with mistakes and accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes um and as a dad not uh, uh, chastise or, or shame uh, your child for, for making mistakes and rather uh, embrace the embrace mistakes and hopefully they learn you know that what's what's important uh, is not the mistake but how you deal with the mistake and I think that was the biggest thing that like you know Pa Kent had passed on to Clark that Clark was trying to pass on to John was the idea that even you know, 
even as as superheroes, um, they still are not are not perfect. John is not perfect. He's going to misjudge things. He's going to he's going to make mistakes. And you may think, you know, superhero kids the same as a, as a as a normal kid is that you may think you have all the answers. You may think you always know what to do, but um, like anybody else, you don't. And Pa Kent was a, was a, just a mortal man, and uh, someone that nonetheless Clark, uh, a, a, a veritable god, you know, put on a pedestal. And, and one of the greatest things that Pa probably, you know, I think taught him was how to be human, and that the most human thing there is, one of the most human things there is, is that you know we we all we all make mistakes, we all misjudge things, we say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing. We may not even intend to do the wrong thing, but we still get the wrong results sometimes despite our best intentions. Um, and uh, that's something important to me that I want my kids to learn that it's okay, it's okay to fail, it's okay to, it's okay to mess up. Uh, uh, what really matters is what you do uh, after the fact, you know, do, you know, to make amends, to apologize, to learn something and, and move on. Yeah, I mean, that's strong. You can really feel that as you read the issue um, or anybody who just picked up and read it. I know it was kind of in between story arcs for Superman. Um, but like we've already said, the best stories have endings and to be able to do a really good emotional beat story in one issue, one well done. Uh, I'm sure lots of people have done it, but still it was a really good issue. Um, oh, thanks it, man. It, it was Thank just you. nice and refreshing to read because <laughs> Right after that, we had, you know, Superman had a soft reboot. Uh, his origins and stuff and things were gearing up to start counting down to the first Doomsday Clock uh, with the Rebirth banner and stuff at the time. So it was really nice to kind of get that slow down, um, a heartfelt story. And it, like I said, I was brand new dad at the point at the time, and it, it really resonated with me. Uh, but that's not the only superhero book uh, you've written at DC. Uh, I know you've got The Flash under your belt, as well as uh, an issue or two of Suicide Squad. And mm -hmm. I really, I'm pretty certain you had Nightwing in there, too. Uh, a single issue of that, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> see, I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was probably, uh, the Nightwing and the Superman are probably my two favorites uh, uh, that I did. I like the Nightwing a lot. It's super fun. Like, I, I, I love, I can write Nightwing uh, all day, you know, like, he's just... Um, I, I have a, I have a hard time, um, and I think this is one of the reasons that Star Wars is so effortless for me. Um, and Black Star and Wasted Space, like I have a hard time writing characters who are real, real serious all the time. Uh, and Batman is real, real, real serious. serious all yeah. the time. <laughs> but Nightwing is just fun Batman. That's it. That's all Dick is. He's just fun Batman. Um, yeah. They have basically the same origin story, all more or less uh, broadly, uh, similar skills. Uh, but Nightwing's fun. Nightwing is is able to enjoy life uh, and enjoy his role and enjoy who he is uh, at least a little bit. And he has at least he has some levity to his character. So uh, being able to tap into that and have like the great rogues gallery of the Batman universe and, and that great Gotham setting and all the other things that like Batman puts on a tee for you, but take it from a perspective of levity is uh is pretty pretty great i i love doing have being able to do that yeah i mean it's great that you talk about it too because dick grayson's about to experience his 80th anniversary uh, and honestly i just really hope they bring him back for being rick grayson because oh, uh, because <laughs> i mean i know he's lighthearted and, and full of levity and things but i really feel like they put him through it unnecessarily a lot of times uh catching a bullet in the head by the kg beast is just well it's ruthless if i'm going to be honest i don't think dick deserved that at all um but yeah i i really hope that they they bring dick back to uh you know his fun glory nightwing days and so he can just be eye candy for some for some fun reading <laughs> and uh all the things that uh that we love dick for yeah i um I certainly hope so too. <laughs> I think we all. I think we all want to see that. I think it's unanimous, and I, I'm quite frankly uh, surprised it hasn't happened already. Uh, but oh. maybe it's for the anniversary. They're waiting. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's that's a that's a puzzling one. Rick Grayson is is a is a is is puzzling. 
That's <laughs> what I can say. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. I, and I don't get me wrong. I do understand that you have a character that's been around for 80 years and it's, it's just kind of hard to, to do new things and make them stay interesting and relevant. Um, so I always appreciate people taking a chance, but wow, what a chance, you know, <laughs> but that's all. That's all we'll say about that. We'll keep it all positive. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly will. I still, still love the character still look forward to seeing more from him. So that that's the route we'll take. Right. And Speaking of things that I can't wait to see more from, I know we mentioned them very briefly. Uh, we just referred to them as vault comics, but uh, I know Adrian and Damien, uh, who founded and run vault comics, uh, seem to be really, really cool to work with. And I almost feel like they, they give you kind of a little bit of room to breathe in your story ideas. Um, and I'm not in the room, so of course I don't know. But looking at the types of books that are coming through Vault Comics from you, such as Maul, which is super interesting. I really like that plot. Uh, and then the plot. I thought those are very different books from like Wasted Space or the DC work you've done. Uh, could you tell us a little bit how those stories, specifically the plot, uh, kind of developed and came to fruition? Yeah, uh, and you're right. They do allow me some freedoms, uh, which is great. You know, we work, I, I, I call them friends, Adrian and Damien. I, I love those guys. Uh, uh, they're, they're wonderful people. And Adrian, Damien is, is a very uh, even hand uh, at running the business side. He's honest and transparent and kind. And, and Adrian is just as honest and transparent and kind and has really truly helped me as a writer. We have a great creative relationship, him and I. Um, Very cool. Yeah, no, they're the best. They're, they're the absolute best. And um, um, the cool thing is like in terms of like getting projects, um, you know, it's, it's helpful to, to do stuff that's successful <laughs> that helps open doors and waste space was a, was a good start with, with our relationship. And then we did mall, uh, which did, which did, which did well. Um, and, um, um, you know, plot was, um, plot was a story that Tim Daniel, uh, who is, a uh, partner there and does the, you know, they all kind of do their own roles. I said, Damien's business, Adrian's editorial. Uh, Tim is the design book, uh, book creator, master, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> he does that. The all. architect, <laughs> the architect. Yeah. And, um, him and I have been friends for a long time and have collaborated in the past. Um, and we had this, we were developing this, this, this thing, the, the plot, um, which was like, uh, a, a really intimate horror story that, that, kind of was growing between us for for before even pitched it a solid year um and then we came to the to to vault more more tim and tim wanted to launch nightfall which has ended up being like their kind of pop-up imprint that comes around in uh halloween time halloween season um and what it is is just um uh, like horror, horror comics for the season, you know, and plot was the first one that they did. Black stars above was the second, uh, with Lonnie Nadler writing that one. It's a great book. Um, and plot came out and, and, <clears throat> and, uh, did really well. It's done. It's done. It's done really great for, for, for all of us, for Vault, for me, for Tim, uh, Josh, uh, Hickson the artist is, is out of this world. Um, so yeah, so they, Based on my track record in general and specifically with them, uh, we were able to nudge them into, you know, it helped nudge AJ and Damien into taking that chance with Nightfall to do this pop-up thing uh, and to, you know, thankfully, uh, very wonderfully them allow Tim and I to spearhead it and put out the, the first book. And, uh, yeah, got them off to a good start. And I know they're coming back for next year. They're ready to get the books lined up, and they're, they're really, really good books. I, I know one of them, in fact, and it's, it's fantastic. Oh, It's not mine, it. though. It's not. I was, <laughs> I was about to say, are you are you leading us to something? That'd be great. No, nope, uh, no, <laughs> no, but, uh, not, not me. <laughs> a friend of mine, and it's it's he's he's written something tremendous. Oh, excellent! Well, we look forward to hearing about that. I'm sure you'll announce it when you can, uh, <laughs> or he will too. But uh, talking about the plot and saying that the book has done marginally well is a a nice way to say it. It's going back for its third printing. 
Yeah, I think it's three. I can't remember because we've had different covers and variants and con exclusives. And I'm like, I don't, it's at least three. (laughs) Um, It's somewhere in that (laughs) ballpark. So you can say it's doing well. That's well. Um, And then, of course, I just picked up issue four um, last, was it last week now? Time flies, you know, when you're having fun. Right. uh, And it's still, I mean, the book's chugging along. So uh, yet again, congratulations on that front to you and Tim and everybody at Vault. So Congrats oh. there. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're all proud. We're proud of where it's gone and where it's going. And and that and like wasted space. It's it's eight issues. It's eight, and 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 we're done. I'm excited to see where that goes and how it ends. So um, exciting there as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and then really after that, you mentioned Archangel Eight, uh, which it seems on your newsletter that you send out, you did 2019 recap with the looking forward to 2020. And that was on there. It really caught my eye. Uh, Cause you said it was kind of a Punisher meets Hellblazer type of story. Mm-hmm. And the cover art, it, that is the first thing I thought of. I said, Oh, they're doing a Punisher book, but I think <laughs> he's doing a little more than street level stuff. Um, but even more fascinating about that was the company that is going for, uh, I believe Axel Alonso is involved in that. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, him, and Bill Jemis, uh, and I think some other people involved in you know financial stuff and all that. I don't. I you know obviously not too keyed into you know I haven't looked at their books, <laughs> but <laughs> right. uh, but Axel and Bill are the the faces <laughs> of the company, and they both have tremendous records. Axel is someone I've admired for many 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 years uh so working with him is, is pretty wild but yes axel and bill very cool very cool could you tell us a little bit more about the book at all or are you at liberty there yeah no no we're in full swing of promoting it you know so it comes out in march march 18th um and and really it's about so it is this punisher-esque thing where it's you know you have like a kind of a ruthless guy at the center who's haunted by something and finds himself in a very violent, you know, lifestyle um, and, and violent missions and and, and, and specific quests uh, to, uh, you know, it's hard to say make the world a better place. Um, you know, as a small tangent, I think that like the greatest Punisher run, I think we can all unanimously say is, uh, at least I think so, is is Garth Ennis is speaking of going back to Preacher. Garth is a writer i admire greatly uh and the greatest thing he ever did for the punisher was to uh really tap into his character in a way that said like he's he's not trying to make the world a better place he's just doing this because this is what he does he knows that when he's gone he it's gonna the world's continued to there's gonna be russian mobsters and there's gonna be crime lords and there's gonna be this and that and he's not gonna change a thing but he's doing it because he is compelled to do it and that's it frank castle's just this is what he does. Um, and I thought that was pretty deeply cynical, but also deeply accurate and really great for his character. But anyway, so not necessarily making the world a better place, but so Archangel 8 is this this character who we say uh, the tagline for the book is even God needs plausible deniability. And nice. He, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm on board uh, with just that line, but please continue. <laughs> yeah. I love that line. I mean, it's such a great, simple line. Even God needs plausible deniability. Um, and uh, so we're, we're looking at it that like, you know, there's a war between heaven and hell. Uh, being waged on Earth, and uh, Archangel Eight is one of the, is like the the darkest of the black ops. You know, he's doing the dirty work that God can't know about, and um, he needs to go in and and you know when the enemy fights dirty, you got to fight just as dirty, or if not dirtier. Um, he's got to do some tough stuff, and this mission is um, it's his toughest that he's confronted. Uh, he's he's. Uh, tasked with uh killing someone very unexpected um and it's about his kind of uh you know as you say the journey into heart of night uh, uh something that really inspired it for me uh for axel too as we had many conversations was, was apocalypse now you know going into that heart of darkness um and really um having to confront some some troubling things as you as you the deeper you go and that's that's archangel h journey um 
and it's going to force him to question what he does and why he does it and, and what we're all doing, uh, not just in this, not just in this grand war, but in just war in general and, 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 and the people who fight it and what we're fighting for. Um, so it's pretty, it's a pretty heavy book. It's a pretty uh, intense book. You know, again, you're looking at stuff like, you know, like Punisher, uh, as, as a touchstone kind of says a lot. Um, and yeah, it's drawn by CP Smith, who's, who's uh, and colored by snake by Cortez. Uh, it's, it's, I think a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous book, uh, co covers, you mentioned the cover, I think is striking from Jeff, Jeff DeCal. So, and edited by Axel, who is, uh, you know, you give Axel the freedom to tell his stories. Um, I think that he, uh, his stuff that he did at Vertigo and a lot of his Marvel stuff is some of the best comics in the past 20 plus years. Um, he is, he is a amazing, amazing editor to work with. I've learned a ton. We get along great. And I think we're both really, really, we're all really excited about this book. So, uh, yeah, I can't, I, I, I really can't wait. It's going to be something different for me. And, um, I hope people follow me on a little bit of a different journey because it's like I said, it's, it's a deeper, darker book, but it's uh, I think it's I think it's going to be something something special. Well, it certainly looks like something dark indeed, but definitely worth looking forward to. Um, and like I said, that's issue one of five, right? So it's a five issue mini. Uh, yes, yes. For for now, at least, yeah, we're kind of looking to hopefully doing more uh we're not exactly sure uh but yes we have five issues for sure all right well look forward to all five of those as well going from such the dark area that is archangel eight and apparently where it's going to go i thought we'd end somewhere much much lighter because uh, i know some of the other dads on the show would be very mad uh if i did not finish on star wars uh, <laughs> and uh specifically i was supposed to ask two questions uh, so if you will indulge me. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So are we going to see any new characters from the 501st? Uh, yeah. Actually, as a matter of fact, yes. Yeah. I've created some new clones. There's one issue that's uh, all new clones. Awesome. Yeah, Which I won't is... say much. That's my okay. favorite issue. Okay. It's all right. uh, three or four. Which one? Shoot. I forget which issue it is. Three or four. Uh, but yes, we will see new clones that we've never seen before uh, and have a pretty cool story. No, he's going to be super excited about that. That one's for you, John. Uh, <laughs> and the, the next question is also from John. Uh, he is our resident Star Wars heavy nerd, more than just the slightly more than casual fans that the rest of us are. Uh, <laughs> but he really wants to know how much of not just Anakin and Obi-Wan are we going to see, but will we get to see a little bit of Ahsoka in your stories? Well, I'm just going to say it so we all know, so there's no expectations and no broken hearts. Uh, we will see zero Ahsoka, which breaks oh. my heart. I oh. know. Ahsoka's my, maybe my favorite character. Well, no, Obi-Wan is. She's in the top three. But no, sorry, I interrupted. But zero Ahsoka. None. No, that's perfectly fine. It's good to get that out there in the beginning so that you're not just waiting and dangling for hope. And it actually right. sounds like it hurt you just as much to say it. So it's fine. I tell you what, so we are so so the world is clear. I, I my my original pitch, my original journey, vision and journey of the story had a lot of Ahsoka in it. So I tried, guys. I tried, uh, but it wasn't in the cards for for very good reasons. I totally understand why it couldn't work, and I'm totally on board with with the decision. Uh, but for what it's worth, I did I did try to get Ahsoka in there. It was was not my call. Uh, well, we appreciate the effort, and I'm sure we'll be more than happy with what we get anyway. You mentioned that Obi-Wan's your favorite character, right? Yes. So the news, I think, either came out yesterday or today that that show, Kenobi, is kind of on indefinite hiatus now. Yeah. Yeah, that just that was a heart-wrencher. Well, uh, Ewan McGregor actually clarified today. He said that they were just taking us. He's like, we're just taking a small break. He kind of cooled everybody off. And he was like, we're, we're still going to be out next year with this, these episodes just a little later. He's like, we're just, they're just retooling a few things. He was basically everyone chill. <laughs> it's not, you know, because sometimes you're indefinite. You feel like, oh, it's never coming back. But he he seemed pretty firm that like no no it's just it really is 
uh, just a break. All right. Well, that is good. Thank you for letting us know that that's a little more clarified. Good. Yeah, I, I, I was glad to hear it. But in the meantime, there is an Obi-Wan issue. Uh, he's in a few, but there's one of the one of the main the, the bulk of the issue. He's in it. And I don't I don't want to say what it is, but it's a very specific. Alkinus tip of the hat to Alkinus. Okay. <laughs> I can't say what it is, but when it comes out, it's I, I don't know if anyone's going to get it. What's happening in it? The 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 Alginnessness of the issue, um, but like it's if you get it, it's I think it's kind of hilarious. Um, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like how do I say? Is Obi Wan playing Al Guinness playing somebody else? <laughs> I don't know. He's, that's that's very meta meta. Yeah, I forgot. I had it in mind. I described it when I, you know, we were going through with IDW. It's like it's like it was like Al Guinness playing Obi Wan playing Al Guinness or something like that. <laughs> um, so uh, it's 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 uh, you know you get some you get some good Obi Wan fix in there. I bet that was a really interesting meeting. Hey guys, no, listen seriously, just listen. <laughs> well, if I give it away, if I say what it is, uh, that's it's it fine. It away. I- yeah, but like once it. you see it, it, it yeah, it comes together and it's kind of cool. Even if you don't get it, that the story, the issue works. But there's a there's a fun Alec Guinness thing going on in there. I'll have to challenge John to find it, point out to me. Okay, tell me issue five. But that's cool, man. That's great. You got uh, all that fun stuff to look forward to. I think I only have one more question for you. Sure. This one is a little more related to doing the freelance work, um, and you are a father. And you mentioned around 2018, you were kind of transitioning out of your day job to do freelance work kind of full time. Uh, And I'm sure that your children aren't too terribly old, so they had to be a little bit younger than they are now. So what was it like for you to leave the security of your day job? Uh, And everybody knows freelancing notoriously comes with no benefits as far as like health and dental insurance. So right. what was it like for you to take that plunge into a, a full-blown creative career and still balance that with being a father? Well, uh, just from the father aspect, just from a personal gut level, like I loved it. You know, I'm home with my kids a lot. I'm able to take them to school often or pick them up from school. Uh, you know, my wife has like a, a very a schedule that varies, you know, here and there. So I get to be home even when I'm, working you know still can hear them when they get home from school or preschool with my younger guy um and i come out and i see them it's so it's it's wonderful it's opened up so much more time with with them which is i i cherish all of it um so i'm very very just eternally grateful for that and just so glad i get to do that and experience so much more of their lives oh that's fantastic Oh yeah, I mean it's great. It's great. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I get busy. I'm I'm always busy. I feel like, and I and I, you know, I still work. You know, but like, it's nice to be home. It's nice to be close. Um, from a security standpoint, like, you know, you know, the benefits thing does suck. I gotta buy. I gotta like just purchase it from the marketplace. You know, so that's, you know, Obamacare has made it easier to navigate. Um, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, it's definitely uh, changed the game. I don't know if I had it before Obamacare or not. If I bought, I know I bought insurance, but uh, I don't know. But anyway, that is a kind of a pain. It's not the best, but it's fine. You know, like, um, but just in general, you know, so I grew up, I'll tell you what, I grew up on the South side of Chicago, you know, lowerish middle class, you know, never very, not well off by any means, you know, understandable, Uh, you know, uh, so I, but I had this uncle, uh, my, my aunt, who's my blood relative, uh, got married. She went, she's the one who kind of made it. She, she went to Columbia in New York. Uh, she was, she, she worked as a lawyer. She worked actually judge, uh, um, Supreme court justice Sotomayor before she was Supreme court justice. And she married this guy, this wonderful guy, uh, who was, um, uh, in banking, uh, international banking and now investment banking. And I always looked at him and I was like, man, you know, my, when I, when I grew up, my dad was just in and out of jobs, like all the time, you know, he was a trucker, dock worker, security, like, et cetera, you know, you name it. Um, and my mom was like, she pretty much held down a job from the time I was a little bit older for, for a good long stretch. Um, but 
I looked at him, my uncle, uh, who was, you know, like I said, in banking. I was like, this guy, um, this guy I made, you know, forever, you know, I, I, looking at what he does and this white collar job and this whole different world that I didn't even like understand. And I always thought that he would just be doing it forever and be totally fine and making great money. And then he would retire and get the gold watch and et cetera. And these things would happen. And then uh, the market crashed. Uh, ah, it, yeah, okay. whatever year that was. And not that I take any joy in this at all. It was, it was terrible, but he lost his job. And he was out of work for a few years, in fact, as things recovered and there just wasn't uh, a, a need for what he did. It had shrunk at that time. It's grown since and he's working and everything's fine. But he was out of work for, for a while and it was hard for him and hard for his family, like the way it was hard for my family when my dad would be out of work, you know? Mm-hmm. And at that point, I realized, like, there is no such thing as security, you know? Like, there really isn't. People get fired, people get laid off, places close. There's a there's there's a multitude of things that you can just quit because you're miserable. Um, there's a multitude, th- multitude of things that can happen that uh, undermine the idea of security, that undermine the idea that, like, oh, I have a job, I've been hired by somebody, so that means I'm secure uh, for an indeterminate amount of time but that's unfortunately not true it could be a year could be 10 years could be who knows you know you're kind of you're still at someone's mercy now probably you can say my job's a little less secure kind of always doing different things and juggling them but um i'll tell you what like i don't feel any different you know what the job that i left you know i still do about the same, you know, or if not better, I don't know. I never really looked at the numbers, but like, I don't feel less secure. I, I guess I feel nervous, but I felt nervous when I was at that job too, you know, like who knows what the future holds, you know? And I know I'm kind of being vague, but like, I think that the point is that like, we don't live in a culture anymore where it's like you work for the place for 40 years and get the gold watch and retire and everything. Then that's it. Then you get your benefits and et cetera. That, 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 that myth is, is all but broken at this point. So you know, if you're not going to have security, and I don't think most people do, or at least as much as we think we'd, we'd like to, you know, you might as well be doing something you love. Um, uh, and hopefully the trade-off, the little bit less security maybe that you're trading is worth by doing something you enjoy and, and enriching your life in some way. And I know it's not easy, but like, I feel like a lot of people hold themselves back because they feel like, oh, I'm here, I'm secure, I can't lose this. You know, you can't. It could lose you. And the fact of the matter is, if you go, like right now, like, hey, if, if comics dried up and novels dried up, you know, and next year I was out of, just didn't have any more work, I, you know, you go get another job, you know, <laughs> like you yeah, had a job yeah. before. You can, I mean, I, I can't just get one in a day, but, you know. There's you always find work. something. You can find yeah. something. You know, you go back. You go back. You can always go back. And um, I don't want to, but you can. You do what you got to do. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's 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 hard when you're a dad. I totally get it. It's harder to take risks, but um, you know, living is a risk. Everything is a risk. So you know, sometimes yeah, you just gotta go do do the thing. You make the compelling argument. No. So, yeah, I I appreciate you for going a little. A little deeper into it uh, for us. I mean, it's, it's definitely good listening, and like you said, security is an illusion. So yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Why not at least be doing something that makes you incredibly happy while you're living that illusion? So there you go. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there's something to be said about being the master of your own fate too. You know, in a world where security is an illusion, you know, make your own security then. Uh, solid advice. I mean, that's really good advice. Well, so, I get yeah. lucky sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, good for yeah. you, man. We appreciate oh. you sharing them. Oh, well, th- no problem. Thank you. Uh, is there anything right now you really want to plug? Oh, no. I feel like I feel bad. I feel like we covered so much uh, there because I'm in a weird time where I have a lot coming out and a lot going on. But no, I mean, Star Wars, Waste of Space, uh, Archangel 8, uh, the, the Grayson graphic novel hexagon from impact theory which which we which you mentioned um uh yeah i don't know i think that's it we covered a lot of ground uh thanks for asking all the questions oh no (laughs) thank you for uh being kind enough to answer all of them i really appreciate it sure 
Sure, sure. It'd be weird if I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really would. I think people would be like, why are we listening to this one? It's just him talking again. <laughs> Who's the other guy? <laughs> All right. Well, no. for those of you wondering who is the other guy again, it is Michael Morrissey. Uh, and he is the writer, author of a good many, 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 many things. Uh, you can always check out his stuff, his website. Mike, if you'd like to plug your socials or your website where people can follow you and, and see more about the great things you have coming out, please feel free to share. Yeah, no, just really easy. Just uh, Michael Maurice on, on Twitter and Instagram. And then my website is Michael P. Maurice. Somebody has Michael Maurice for some reason. Uh, but yeah, I had to put the P in there, my middle initial. So, but that's, uh, yeah, I'm pretty easy to, pretty easy to track down. That's good. If you guys do find him on the website with the P in it, uh, be sure you subscribe to his newsletter. That's how you can stay up on all of the great things he has going on and coming out. Uh, and other than that, man, we really have to thank you for your time and appreciate you being on the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Glad, very glad to be here. I appreciate it. It's good talking, man.